This is your guide to succeeding as an entrepreneurial leader. Whether you're in business, a parent, or part of a community project, we can all be entrepreneurial leaders. With your host, Jeanette Seibley, the Leadership Results Coach, and a variety of experts in leadership, you'll learn how to create extraordinary work and life results, stand up and speak up, make more money and have more fun, and get out of your own way. The biggest challenge is we don't like to ask for help and get stuck as do-it-yourselfers. Well, not anymore. Now here's your host, Jeanette Seibley, ready to help you become a successful entrepreneurial leader. Welcome. This is Jeanette Seibley, the Leadership Results Coach. Imagine for a moment that you're in a team meeting. You just presented a great idea to resolve a big issue. You and another team member researched it, both of you tested it, and you both know it'll work. Other team members are excited. But the team leader kiboshes it with a loud exclamation, That'll never work. How do you feel? Well, I feel like most people, and because this has happened to me, you feel humiliated. You feel upset. You just like check out. (laughs) At least that would be the reaction of most people and understandably. In this case, it caused two of us to stop participating, even though we knew better. It's just what happens when these kind of things happen. But here's the irony. The team leader actually took the idea and used it with great success, but never apologized or appreciated the work done by us. Sadly, poor communication skills abound every day in business, families, and communities. While it may sound easy to improve your communication skills after reading a book or listening to a podcast, it takes actually using the skills learning from your mistakes, and mastering them. So doing so, and here's the good news, is if you do so, it will dramatically increase your career options, save you time, money, and relationships, and improve your results. My guest today is Meredith Bell. She's the co-author of Connect With Your Team, Mastering the Top 10 Communication Skills. We're going to talk about three of those skills today, listening, coaching others to think for themselves, yes, you heard that right, and express appreciation. And as my listeners know, I provide a quote from each guest, and here's the one this week from Meredith. The word of encouragement you give today could live in another person's heart forever. And that one is so true. I mean, I've experienced it. I'm sure each of you have as well. It's something we just never forget. So Meredith, welcome. Thank you for being here and talking about mastering communication skills. Thank you, Jeanette. I am so looking forward to this conversation because these are topics that are so critical in life and also dear to my heart. Yeah. So many people talk about using good communication skills, but they fail to understand the importance of becoming masterful in using them, especially when working with a company, a family, or a community. 
and working as part of a team. And remember, folks, listening, a team can be one or more people working along with you. So let's start with listening. What is it? How do you know if I'm, li- how do I know if I'm listening? <laughs> so Meredith, take it away. <laughs> no, Jeanette, listening is really the fundamental skill of all other communication skills because it, it's a foundation of being able to resolve differences. For example, if I'm not listening to what you're saying in your opinion, I'm going to be focused on trying to push my point of view, prove I'm right. And so when we don't listen well, we can get into a lot of trouble. And the challenge with all of these communication skills is that we're not taught them in school. Mm. You know, we if we're lucky, we grew up in a home where our parents modeled them well, but not many people have that advantage. And so we kind of observe what other people do and just pick up habits over the years. And if you ask most people, are you a good listener? Probably a lot of them would say, yeah, I am. But in reality, what gets in the way is our own thoughts. Mm. You know, we have these ideas. And so most of us listen to respond to what the other person is saying. So we're preparing an argument against if we don't agree with what they're saying, or we're just if we're someone who feels helpful like you and I do, we're always looking for ways to help. We want to jump in with the solution and answer something that could benefit that person. So it isn't always that listening is a negative in terms of our response and what why we want to respond. The problem is the person who's actually speaking, if we jump in so quickly with an answer or an argument or whatever our response may be, they're left to wonder, did you even hear what I was saying? You know, do you? So listening involves paying attention, giving full attention to this person that's in front of me and being willing to, in an undivided way, you know, like putting on blinders, looking at them, if it's in person or, you know, even on Zoom, And if not, just really focusing your mind on them, say a phone call and listening, not just to the words they're saying, to Mm -hmm. their tone of voice, watching their body language. What's the total message that this person is conveying? Because if we miss one of those elements, we may not get what they're really saying. And the other thing, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sorry. I was listening and <laughs> as a podcast interviewer, sometimes you do have to jump in. Yes. So, but um, you said something about nonverbal. So is it true that nonverbal actually accounts for more than anything else? Like, I think it's like 80%. Is that about right for it's what the person is actually high. communicating? Yes. It's a very high percentage. Okay. Uh, non-verbals and in fact the tone of voice also mm-hmm. counts for more than the actual words because we're unconsciously many times picking up on all these things that the person is saying to get get that whole message so the words are just a part of it and you know if you think about it and this applies to parents too you know you mentioned the workplace community 
uh, family relationships too. If you notice you're, you know, let's say you have a teenager and they seem to be sulking and you say, what's wrong? And they say nothing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we don't interpret nothing as really nothing because there's <laughs> other signals that you're getting. And I think that's really a key thing is keeping our radar up to notice what are the other elements of the message that would cause me to then ask questions? Because that's part of listening too. It's no, I've just, seen that. I've seen this. I've seen this happen often, um, particularly in a sales meeting where somebody's um, talking, somebody else is playing with their electronic gadgets, thinking that they're listening, but they're not. And I've actually experienced a situation where the person was so engaged in their electronic gadget that they lost the sale. Like the person just felt like they were talking to a wall. But a lot of people think they can multitask. They don't understand what being present truly means. So can you tell us what does that mean? I mean, I talk about it a lot, be present, but what does that really mean? Yeah, it means that I am giving 100% of my attention to the person in front of me. I am coming with this attitude, you're the most important person in my world right now. And it is truly impossible. You nailed it. We cannot multitask. If you now it's it is possible. We could listen to a podcast hold <laughs> the laundry, you know. Uh, we can do mindless things like that. But for something that really requires our attention, and, and I'll give you a test. When you're on a phone on the phone with someone and you have your email open or you know you're you're looking at your phone when that person is saying something and your attention gravitates to that other thing like reading an email i guarantee you you have missed part of what that person is saying i know this firsthand i've gotten to where if i'm on a phone call i close my eyes so i'm not distracted <laughs> by other things but, you know, one of the other things that's a distraction besides objects like our phones is our own thoughts. Mm. Because we can become busy thinking about how we want to respond to this person and miss some of what they say. So giving our full attention means setting aside our own thoughts and opinions in an effort, in a commitment to really get at what the person is wanting to tell us. Yeah, that mental chatter. I mean, people go, what mental chatter? Huh? Where? <laughs> the one that was just speaking. <laughs> so I think I that's, I mean, I think we hit the nail on the head. I, I know of one person and probably more, but this one person in particular, because she shared it so often. Um, she had started a job as um, as a realtor. And she really wanted to be the top in her field. And so she uh, was talking with the broker, the person she reports to, and she's looking for tips on how to close or how to do something magical to get them to want to, you know, list with her or buy from her or something. And so she was very surprised when the broker said in response to her question, what's the one thing I can do to be number one? And she said, be present. And she became in the top 3% of realtors with this particular 
real estate company nationally. Hmm. So I, I really want to emphasize the importance of listening, but to do that, you really, really, really have to be present. And you know, one of the great benefits of that, Jeanette, is you are unforgettable to the other person. Mm -hmm. So few people take time to do this. If you are really committed to having a great relationship with a person on your team, with uh, your spouse, you know, your, your son or daughter, someone in the community you really care about, if you make that decision and commitment to be fully present with them, they will feel it. You know, we don't talk about this very often, these intangibles about being able to feel how someone else is being when they're with us, but we pick up these vibrations, it's energy. And so we know if we have the full energy of someone else or if it's partial. And when we feel that someone is with us, we feel great. And we, we do. remember that. And that goes back to the quote you started with, that word of encouragement, which could even be silent encouragement, getting people to continue talking. Because so often in this fast-paced you know, um, world we live in, we get signals from others to hurry up, you know, finish, get done. And that reminds me, one of the, the biggest things you can also do is to not interrupt someone else. And I can give you, uh, my two business partners and I have worked together now for more than 30 years, Paula and Denny and I. And at one point, Denny, because he was moving fast and he thought he knew what we were going to say, he would interrupt us. And Paula and I decided, you know what, this isn't working for us. And we let him know. And we came up with ways to support each other. And I think this is an important thing. If you have a habit of interrupting someone else, ask for their help because and, and that you want to change. And they will appreciate the fact that you recognize this is something that you're doing. So what Denny and I and Paula did is if he interrupted, we just put up our hand like a stop sign, you know, and that was his cue. Oh, I interrupted. But, you know, even to this day, Jeanette, when we have, you know, a, a three-way call, one of us might interrupt the other. And what we simply do is say, I wasn't done yet. Or please let me finish. And again, the tone of voice is really important <laughs> there because if you say, please let me finish, you know, that, that, that it, you know, implies you really are getting on my nerves. Whereas <laughs> instead of calmly say it, it raises the other person's awareness level that this is what they're doing. So we can find ways to support each other as we're making improvements to be a better listener or be better at whatever skill it is we want to improve. Eliciting, soliciting help from others is, is great because they realize you want to make improvements. And if your behavior has been frustrating them, they're going to be very eager to support you in making those improvements. That's really great advice because I think a lot of us have been told or the example has been set by our bosses and others high up that the higher up the ladder you go, um, that the more okay it is to chop people off in the middle of their sentence or interject here and there. I know sometimes I have a bad habit of going, yay, good job, right in the middle of something. 
And I, that was a great reminder when you said you can do that silently. <laughs> so I thought, yes. <laughs> so let's move on to number two, but I really like that, those tips. So thank you. Um, so here's the next one for some, so for some of them, they're going to be a little confronted by this Meredith, but the second um, tip for becoming a masterful communicator is coaching others to think for themselves. Now, I know that's going to be scary for some of you, particularly if you have OCD, you have control issues, or you're unable to set aside your ego because you think you know best. But you know, in my experience, when you really listen to what the other person is sharing, you can actually build a much better solution. Or if you allow them to explore their own ideas, I'm always looking forward to see what they come up with because I don't know, a lot of times I've been really pleasantly surprised by what they come back with. So why is this so important? Because it really does defy traditional leaderships and how many people have been taught to coach and lead and manage others. Well, there are some really practical reasons. Uh, for one thing, you end up saving time over the long haul because when you have people that are able to think for themselves, work through problems on their own and not constantly come to you, you're going to get more done because you're not going to be having people that are dependent on you. When we send this message in the way that we respond to people where we're always giving the answer or providing the solution, it creates dependence and then we we are in a position of saying, well, I can't ever get anything done. I keep getting interrupted. Well, it's because of how you're teaching people to be with you. And so if instead you, when they approach you and say, what should I do with this? Think of a way to pose a question back to them. And the the number one question that you can just hold in your mind is to think, what do you think? What do you think? And, and so some version of that, like what options have you considered already? And which one do you like the best? So that if, and if they're not prepared to answer that, what you're doing is teaching them to think through things before they come to you. So that then when they do come to you in the future, they'll say, okay, here's this situation. I've looked at ABC, here are the pros and cons of all three. I recommend this one. And so it's getting your, uh, you know, confirmation to that um, instead of having you be the answer person. It's so inefficient to be the answer person. And if you want to prepare people for either future leadership roles or simply to act and think independently, then getting in the habit of asking a question instead of providing the answer is really a fundamental shift in in thinking and responding when somebody comes to you and for parents this is key for helping your kids deal with peer pressure deal with situations where they need to be able to think through potential consequences of their behavior i think that is just so right on um, I remember reading a couple of examples in your book, Connect With Your Team, Mastering the Top 10 Communication Skills, where a, um, a boss was, you know, exercising his boss kind of personality and the employees 
not allowed to say what they need to say. And as a result, they lost two customers. So I thought that was very, very interesting because it happens so frequently that we don't even think about it, but we never come back to address that it was us. It was our communication skills that got in the way. Mm -hmm. So having said all that, what are a couple tips that we can do? Like, I know pausing would be probably a good one, right? Mm -hmm. Well, yes. And if somebody has made a mistake and you've learned about it and now you need to talk to them, this is another aspect of helping people think for themselves. Instead of jumping in and saying, here's what you should have done. If we can you know, require them to reflect themselves by asking some questions like what happened? And, you know, what were you thinking about when you decided to handle it this way? And what were the consequences? And what would you do differently next time? That helps them then to come up with their own solution. We learn so much better (laughs) when it comes from within. And so the whole point of this helping people learn to think for themselves is helping them recognize what they already have as a capability. Great, really great leaders draw out the greatness in others. They're not trying to pour in their own expertise. They're trying to help people recognize (laughs) the capabilities they already have. And so that's a key reason for getting really good at asking these questions. And it also brings up, um, because having been on both sides of the desk, I I know we both have, um, being the boss and being the employee, um, really setting aside our judgments and biases, like, well, what should I have expected given that it was you or some other really nasty way of, you may not ever say that, but the, the fact that you're thinking it actually gets conveyed in the listening like how people are hearing you. And I know sometimes people say, well, I'm very careful never to do that and let my thoughts get in the way. Well, guess what? They have a way of eking out. (laughs) (laughs) And being told. So good, good, good one. So let's move on to number three uh, so that we don't run out of time. So um, I, I think this is really important. And I really think that leaders and bosses and managers and even co-team members don't do this enough. And that's express appreciation. So how do we do that? It's not that hard, but how do we do that? (laughs) Well, the first step is paying attention and noticing, right? (laughs) If If you don't look for what somebody is doing well, you won't see it. So you know, you said something a minute ago, just related to this, the the previous topic about what thoughts we bring to a given situation. So if we're getting ready to have a conversation with someone, and especially if it's someone that maybe we've had some tension with in the past, if we can take even a minute or two before we have that conversation with them to write out or at least think through, what is it about this person I value? Why are they important in my life, in my job? You know, so that we bring to the forefront of our mind all the different things this person possesses 
has done, who they're be, who they've been, that we value and and really appreciate. That word appreciate has multiple meanings. You know, it's recognizing the importance of something, and it's also recognizing the value, like appreciating stocks, appreciating or land appreciating. What if we could speak to people in a way that causes us to appreciate them more, but also helps them appreciate themselves more mm. of how we value them and what they sense from us. It doesn't have to be a laundry list of things you appreciate about them. You don't have to say all of those things, but you just said yourself, the thoughts you bring to that interaction impact how they feel about. So if you've been giving energy to thinking about the things you appreciate about this person, they're going to feel that when they have that interaction with you, they're going to leave that conversation standing a little bit taller, you know, feeling better about themselves, more capable. What a gift that is, whether it's at work, in our family, in the community, if we are having that kind of a positive impact on others, they're going to want to do more for us. You know, it's a it's a recipro reciprocal way of being. It's not to manipulate them to do certain things. It's because we want to let them know how valuable they are to us. So what you're saying is it has to be genuine. Yes, absolutely. And I think a lot of people misunderstood the def misunderstand the definition of genuine authentic it's not up chucking on people it's actually being genuine and and even if you even if you're appreciating them but you have to also counsel them on something that didn't go so well starting with some appreciation and then one or two specific areas for improving that and wrapping it up with some appreciation commonly known as the sandwich <laughs> uh, can make a big, huge difference in people being able to hear it, but also then being willing to take that next step forward. Yes. And you know, one of the other things about expressing appreciation is it really needs to be specific and it's really helpful if it explains the impact, the positive impact on you. And so an example might be, gosh, Jeanette, I really appreciate you covering for me when I had to leave early yesterday. I had such confidence that you would handle that situation with the customer well, and it allowed me to focus on this personal issue that I was dealing with. I was able to sleep so well last night because of your willingness to go the extra mile for me. And my you response see, would be, you're welcome. And I would go, okay, what else can I do for you? <laughs> so that's well, where I would go. Uh, too often that people ought to know this, right? <laughs> and many managers that I've spoken with said, well, I don't need to be giving them praise all the time. They, you know, that's what we're paying them for. That is so short-sighted. Oh, all wow. of us as human beings have this need to know that we matter, yes. that we make a difference. And when we can specify to people, not just to say, oh, you're great, you're wonderful, you're the best, but specifically, what is it they said or did that had a positive impact on you or others? You know, complimenting someone after a team meeting where they've brought up a tough question or they've made an important point and saying, wow, I so appreciate you bringing that up. 
I had not realized that I hadn't noticed that. And that made a big difference in the way the rest of the meeting went, you know, is that person likely to speak up again the next meeting? You bet, <laughs> because we gave them permission and we affirmed. When we affirm positive behaviors, we're letting the person know we want more of that. Exactly, exactly. So just to wrap up quickly, um, 20 words or less, um, people want to become masters, right? So what's the number one tip for becoming a master communicator? Anytime, anywhere. A single word, practice. practice <laughs> I love practice, it. Practice. And think of any skill you've ever learned, whether it's playing a musical instrument, whether it's playing a sport. If you didn't practice and you just thought about it, nothing's going to improve. Practice is key. And so practice doesn't necessarily make perfect, but it does make for masterful over time. That's why we call it mastering the top 10 communication skills because you never get to the end of them. Very good. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, this has been a really great conversation. And um, I trust that those of you who are listening have are able to come away from this or re-listen to this as many times as you need to to pull together some ideas or tips. Uh, don't be afraid to get her book, Connect With Your Team, Mastering the Top 10 Communication Skills. They really do support you anytime, anywhere. And I know when I was, back when I was employee and I, I was part of a team, there was this um, movie that we saw, this like training video that we saw. And I kept seeing it over and over and over. And even today, 30 years later, I still remember some of those key components. So don't be afraid to get her book, listen to this podcast again and again and again, and really implement those ideas until they become your own. And that's being a master. So to wrap up, this is Jeanette Sibley. Until next time.